Mr. Eid spent the first 33 years of his life in Shuafat. He was to prominence during the first Intifada, the Palestinian uprising, and was a senior field research for Beit Salem, the Israeli Information Center for Human Rights in the Occupied Territories. In 1996, he founded the Jerusalem-based Palestinian Human Rights Monitoring Group. In 2016, Bassem Eid assumed the role of chairman of the Center for Near East Policy Research. Mr. Eid publicly condemned the widespread murder of Palestinian dissidents, often for reasons unrelated to the Antifada. In 1995, following his report, about the Palestinian Preventive Security Service. He came under attack by some Palestinian leaders for revealing human rights violations committed by the Palestinian Authority. In response to the deterioration of the human rights situation under the PA, Bassem founded the Palestinian Human Rights Monitoring Group, which monitors abuses committed by the PA and also deals to some extent with Israel. It is a non-partisan human rights organization dedicated to exposing human rights violations and supporting a democratic, a, a democratic and pluralistic Palestine. So um, Mr. Bassem has traveled widely to lecture on the Palestinian-Israeli conflict and has attended international conferences. In recent years, he has traveled to Canada, Italy, Japan, and South Africa. Um, so uh, this evening, the title of uh, Mr. Eid's presentation is The Internal Palestinian Conflicts, and I want to welcome him to the podium, and we're looking forward to a very stimulating presentation. Welcome, Mr. Eid. Good evening to everybody, and you are most welcome. First of all, I would like to thank the ISGAB organization the Institute uh, for the Study of Global Antisemitism and Policy for making, making this event possible. Yes, our topic is going to be the Palestinian internal politics and conflicts. As you might know, we the Palestinians have so many conflicts in our life. The Israeli-Palestinian conflict is one conflict, but beside that conflict, we have so many other internal conflicts and external conflicts. As you might know, we the Palestinians became so divided society since 2007, after the Hamas took over the Gaza Strip in 2007. Till that time, we are unable to reach any kind of unity or reconciliation among the biggest two political parties, which is the Fatah and the Hamas. Besides that, we almost signed around five different agreements between the two parties in terms to approach a kind of unity and reconciliation. But as much as agreements we are signing, as much as backward we are moving. Some other Arab countries, as you might know, Egypt, try to put more and more pressure 
towards the reconciliation during the former president of Egypt, Mubarak. But the current Egyptian president is not really so interesting to see the Palestinians united. He is dealing with Hamas as a terrorist organization. And no doubt that the Hamas has been involved in the terror war inside Sinai. So when we will take Gaza Strip, you can imagine that there are two sources who are very interesting in the destruction of the Gaza Strip. These two sources are the Egyptian government is one and the Palestinian Authority in the West Bank is two. They are very interesting in the destruction of the Gaza Strip. On the other side, there are another two parties who are interesting in the reconstruction of the Gaza Strip. The first one is the Hamas. The second one is Israel. Israel is still very interesting in the reconstruction of the Gaza Strip. But what is the conflict between Hamas and Israel? That the Hamas is saying that the priority of the reconstruction should have to be our own tunnels and our own military capability. While Israel is saying that the priority for the reconstruction of Gaza should have to be the houses and the other civil facilities which has been destroyed during the summer war in 2014. So imagine that Israel is very interesting in the reconstruction of the Gaza Strip, but the Palestinian Authority is very interesting in the destruction of the Gaza Strip. So this is one of the biggest conflicts right now on the Palestinian agenda, what is going on between the Hamas and the Fatah. The Palestinian Authority believes that as much pressure can be put on Gaza by Israel and by Egypt, that's probably will be able to pave the way to the Palestinian Authority to recontrol the Gaza Strip again. I think that the majority of the Palestinians right now in Gaza are much more upset towards the Egyptian government rather than towards the Israelis. If you will take the Rafah passage, the border between Gaza and Egypt, during the 2015, last year, Rafah passage has been opened only for 21 days. During the whole year, how many people succeed to cross during the 21 days of the last year? Around 20,000 Palestinians only who succeed to get in and out through the Rafah passage. If we will move back to 2011 as an example, how many Gazans succeed to cross the Rafah passage during 2011? 460,000. Imagine, from 460,000 to 20,000 only. And that makes the people in the Gaza Strip 
very upset and no doubt that the Palestinian Authority is not interesting even to push the Egyptian government to ease the daily life of the Palestinian Gazans in the Gaza Strip. If we will move a little bit to the West Bank, I believe if Mr. Netanyahu tomorrow will meet with President Abbas, the first question probably Netanyahu is going to ask, whom you are representing, Mr. President? Palestinians in the West Bank, Palestinians in the Gaza Strip, or Palestinians in the diaspora? In my opinion, President Abbas only representing his two sons and his wife. Which means that there is a lack of trust between the Palestinians and their own leadership. Friends, if you will come today to any ordinary Palestinian in the West Bank and asking him, what are the most three priorities that you are seeking? He will say a job to survive, to secure the education system and the health system for my children. Nobody is talking about settlements. Nobody is talking about the wall. Nobody is talking about the foundation of the Palestinian state. People so frustrated. Settlements these days became one of the major sources of income to the Palestinians. Every day, we have 15,000 Palestinian workers who are entering to the settlements in the West Bank and building the settlements over there. On the other side, I think that what is surrounding the Israeli-Palestinian conflict right now is very dangerous. And looks like that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict right now became the most safe place in the Middle East. I don't want to be in Syria. I don't want to be in Iraq. I don't want to be in Libya. I don't want to be in Yemen. Much better for me to be wherever I am right now. I don't think that the Palestinian Authority trying really to represent the real demands of the Palestinian people. I think that the majority of the Palestinians these days are people who are seeking dignity rather than identity. I have no problem with my own identity. Wherever I am going and saying I am a Palestinian, everybody recognizing me. But when I said I came from Abu Dhabi, people will ask a lot of questions. Is it nearby Turkey, far away from Syria? Is it in Asia? Is it in Africa, which is an existing country in the, in the Gulf? But nobody knows what is Abu Dhabi is. So while people are seeking such kind of dignity, that means that dignity can be approached only via an economic prosperity. And that's probably one of the biggest mistakes of the international community since the Oslo Agreement, 
that they kept a blind eyes on the economic issue and they just continue pushing and pushing towards the political issue. And this is why it probably the Oslo agreement has been felt. I think the Israelis and the Palestinians should have to have at least a rest of five years from any political process. And to start working more and more towards the economic prosperity. I am a person who believes that economy will be able to pave the way towards any future final solution between the Palestinians and the Israelis. I don't believe in politics. I didn't see that my leadership is really serious to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Sometimes I'm looking to the conflict as a commercial conflict rather than it is a political one. Everybody wants to make money. And of course, my leadership would love to make much more money than the Israeli ones. It is corruption on corruption on corruption. And this is one of the reasons why the Oslo Agreement has been felt. There was no control on the Oslo Agreement after it was signed between the both sides. I believe if Mr. Netanyahu tomorrow morning will stand in the Israeli Knesset and will declare on the recognition of the state of Israel in the Palestinian state, what will happen? Mr. Saibarikat will stand up in the main square in Jericho will consider Netanyahu's decision as unilateral decision and calling Netanyahu that the recognition of the Palestinian state should have to go through the negotiations. Otherwise, Saeb Arikat will lose his job. So we, the Palestinians, almost has been victimized by our own leadership. So please don't consider me as the victim of the Israeli occupation, but consider me as the victim of my own leadership. Since 1948 until today, everybody wants to sacrifice us. The Arab leaders, the Arab League, the UN, UNRWA, the Palestinian Authority, and right now, we have even worse than that. Is such organizations called Jewish for Peace, BDS, or Students for Justice in Palestine. This is another model how to continue sacrificing the Palestinians. And this is also another model how to continue the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. My question to these organizations, whom really authorized you to speak on behalf of my name? Whom? I want somebody to tell me, to give me an answer. The attitude 
of these people, especially in the campuses, is much more like criminals rather than students. No other way to describe them, or some of them, as gangsters and thugs. That their main aim is how to disturb the truth. I don't think that these people are really want to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I think that these people not only want to destroy the Israeli economy, but they are very aware that on their way to destroy the Israeli economy, they almost going to destroy the Palestinian economy. Sometimes I'm saying thanks to God that we don't have such horrible organizations in the West Bank or even in the Gaza Strip. These people are not exist over there. The majority of the Palestinians has no idea what is the BDS meaning. And that's reminding me with the soda stream, while as a result, by moving the factory from the West Bank to the south of Israel, 2,500 Palestinian workers lost their jobs. I met with hundreds of them. When I asked one of them, do you know who is the reason behind the losing of your job? He said, no, I have no idea. I said, the BDS. He said, where is the BDS? I want to go to kill him. I was at Al-Quds University a month ago. I conducted a very small survey among 500 different students in Abu Dis University. If they ever heard about the BDS, 95% has no idea what is the BDS is. So these people are not exist. I believe if the BDS people will, be, will present themselves once in one of the refugee camps in the West Bank, I believe that the people's shoes are going to throw on them. Because what is the alternative to boycott Israel? How we can survive? Where we can work? 92,000 Palestinians right now who are holding the Israeli working permit, crossing every early morning, the old checkpoints from the West Bank, going inside Israel to work. And they are very happy. Because by working in Israel, these people are feeling the real dignity. The average of the monthly salary in Israel right now is around $2,000 a month. But the average of the monthly salary under the Palestinian Authority is $400 a month. So where is the dignity? Where is the dignity that we are seeking? So why do we have is such kind of troubles? I think that our own internal problems is also should have to be considered as an obstacles towards any future peace with Israel. I think that the international community also should have to be aware 
what is going on internally among the Palestinians. <clears throat> Probably somebody will ask why you are here in the US, what you are seeking from the campuses. I believe that the current students in the campuses probably will be the coming leaders of the world. And this is the generation that we must have to start focusing on. This is the generation that we must have to start washing their minds from the all misleading and the disinformation that the media is contributing beside the all other bullshit organizations like the BDS. It is the time to appear here and to tell these students what we are suffering from as Palestinians and to tell them that stop considering me as the victim of the occupation and please consider me as the victim of my own leadership. I believe that it is a very important message. I think that it should have to go worldwide and no doubt that there are students in all of the campuses who would love to learn more and more without creating any kind of provocation during the lectures. So probably I will stop right now and giving the opportunity for you to ask questions in terms to make things probably a little bit clear. Thank you very much. Um, Caroline Glick has proposed that Israel stop supporting the PA, PLO, and accept sovereignty over the West Bank and provide all residents the same health care and education that Israel en enjoys. Uh, would that be a good or bad uh, idea for, ordi for ordinary Palestinians? How would ordinary Palestinians react to the idea? First of all, I don't think that this is the Israeli interest to stop their own support to the PA or to the PLO or even to the Palestinian people. And I think that there are so prominent Israeli governmental figures almost declared that it is our interest to keep the Palestinian Authority going on. I think that probably one of the major problems, uh, uh, the major benefits that Israel is benefiting right now from the Palestinian Authority is the whole issue of the security coordination and cooperation. And a very high rank retired military Israeli almost announced that no doubt that the Palestinian Authority is working perfectly on the issue of the security coordination. I hear just a month ago the head of the Palestinian intelligence in the West Bank, he gave an interview to one of the Americans' magazines here called Defense News. He said it very clear that we, the Palestinian security forces, since last October until today, almost arrested around 200 people 
who plan to commit attacks against the Israelis. And no doubt that the Israelis almost confirmed that. So for this specific reason of the security coordination, Israel will continue supporting the Palestinians and even feeding the Palestinians. That's reminding me, a month ago, there was two different incidents where two young Palestinians succeed to enter to two different settlements, one called Etnoel nearby Hebron, a part of Gosh Atzion, and the other one was in Beit Horon. And the stabbers succeed to kill two different women. Israel on the next day decided to close the settlements and not to allow to any Palestinian worker to enter to the settlements. But immediately, the one who tried to interfere in that was the Minister of Defense, uh, Bugi Alon. Bugi Alon contacted Netanyahu and he said we couldn't do it. That will escalate the situation. So imagine just 10 days ago, the Israeli ministers of council decided to issue another 30,000 working permits to the Palestinian workers. Because the Israelis believes that good economy it probably will calm the current situation in the West Bank. All right, so two questions. Uh, what do you suggest that Americans should do about BDS, one. The other one states that your views are very contrary to conventional wisdom here. How many Palestinians share your views? Yeah. I think that a lot of Palestinians are sharing my views. But unfortunately, majority of the Palestinians are so scared to speak out. I paid a very high price when I reached a such a stage which is called outspoken person. I was arrested by Mr. Arafat in 1996. For, nine, for 25 hours, I was so lucky, by the way, that only I kept in jail for 25 hours. And the only one who succeeded to release me from the prison was the former US Secretary, Warren Christopher, under the administration of Bill Clinton. He called Arafat by telephone and told Arafat that you have five minutes to release Basim Eid and I want to hear about his releasing in the, in the news. So that's probably gave me a kind of impunity. I remember a week after I was released from the Palestinian Authority prison, on one of the occasions I met with Mahmoud Abbas. And Mahmoud Abbas came to me by saying, listen Basim, when I heard about your arrest, I also called Arafat and I told Arafat that this, that's a mistake. I hope that Mahmoud Abbas still remembering that. So that's a, probably one of the reasons. And by the way, since 12 years ago, I am living in Jericho, which is completely under the jurisdiction of the Palestinian Authority. So I have no problem. But I believe that the majority of the Palestinians, when they are speaking among themselves, 
I think that they are much more critical than I am. But, of course, that people seeking a kind of impunity. I just, 10 days ago, a professor for political science in Al-Najah University in Nablus, because he appeared on one of the Arabic TV channels and criticized Abbas, he was arrested on the same night. And he was kept in jail for 10 days. I'm quite sure that they tortured him also. A professor for a political science. Imagine if the US police will arrest a professor at Harvard University. What will happen? An earthquake probably will take place in the US. But unfortunately, it's very common. And I didn't hear the academic people who want to boycott Israel that they ever call the Palestinian Authority to release Professor Abdus Sattar Qasim. No one opened his mouth. Uh, what has happened to the economic zones for Israeli-Palestinian joint ventures? And also, what role does Jordan play for Palestinians? If we don't have any, any, any economic zones right now, a joint economic zones between the Palestinians and the Israelis, unfortunately. I think that there were a lot of plans in the past before the Second Intifada started. But when the Second Intifada started, everything almost fallen down. And Turkey once suggested such kind of a joint economic zone. Japan also suggested such kind of a joint economic zone. But till now, we didn't see any kind of a joint economic zones between the Palestinians and the Israelis. Jordan, listen, Jordan is under, under attack right now. I don't think that Jordan can do much to the Palestinians. I think that Jordan by itself is under the danger of the Islamic terror, which is growing up in Iraq and in Syria. And I don't think that the king of Jordan right now has any time to give to the Palestinians or to the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. And probably this is one of the reasons why the majority of the Palestinians right now in the West Bank and East Jerusalem are very upset on the policy of Jordan towards what is going on right now on Al-Haram Sharif. As you know, Jordan used to have a kind of responsibilities on the holy places in East Jerusalem. And the Palestinians believe that Jordan is just doing nothing in terms to avoid the whole problems right now between the radical Jewish people and the radical Muslim people. And uh, while Jordan all the time, according to the news, that they are in touch with the Israelis in terms to calm the situation. So I don't think that Jordan can play an important role here on the Israeli-Palestinian conflict in the current situation. Okay, question one. Why are you identified as a Palestinian rather than a Jordanian? That's question one. Question two, it may be that economics and dignity are more important than politics and identity, but does that mean 
the latter ought to be set aside entirely. Does that mean that identity should be set aside entirely? If you will ask me, I'm not really very care about my identity. You can call me Palestinian, Jordanian, German, Swiss, French, whatever you want. I am really much more care about my dignity. I much more care about the future of my children. Now, why I call Palestinian? You can ask my father or my mother. No doubt that I am still carrying the Jordanian passport. So I considered as an Israeli resident, but not an Israeli citizen. I am holding the Israeli ID because I'm living in East Jerusalem, I born in East Jerusalem, and I'm still holding the Jordanian passport as a Jordanian. In my travel document, the Israeli travel document, my nationality there is Jordanian, not Palestinian, because I am holding the Jordanian passport like the majority of the Palestinian Jerusalemites who are living in East Jerusalem, the majority are still holding the, uh, uh, the Jordanian passport. So towards dignity and identity, listen, I think that we are people who should have to be care more and more towards our future especially after such fallen leadership that we have. And probably people also became so tired and so hopeless from any kind of a future solution between the Palestinians and the Israelis. And this is why people right now are trying much more to focus how they can gain towards a better economic future for themselves and for their children. You know, sometimes when I am going to some refugee camps or villages in the West Bank, when I met with people, I told them once that, listen, imagine that tomorrow morning you will wake up and there is no one Israeli in the West Bank. What will happen? Nobody was so happy for that. People said, oh my God, then we will starve because we have no jobs, we have no economy. How we can survive? And that's exactly what's happened in 2005 when Mr. Sharon decided to disengage from the Gaza Strip. In my opinion, the way how Sharon did it was one of the biggest mistakes. It shouldn't have to go like that should have to be much more coordinated. It should have to be much more in a cooperation with a Palestinian partner. But to get out one day, so this is how Gaza became a chaos right now. And from what the Israeli did in Gaza, I think that Netanyahu right now is very aware that we will never repeat the same mistake in Gaza. And that's one of the major problems of the Palestinians, that the Palestinians almost failed to rule themselves by themselves. And in my opinion, we the Palestinians almost destroyed in Gaza what remains from the Israeli occupation. So when 8,000 Israelis 
moved out of Gaza, the infrastructure they created, including large conservatories were destroyed. Who did this and why? If the Palestinians wanted jobs and, and an infrastructure that would support them, why did this happen? I have no, no answer for that. I remember, you know, when Sharon declared on his plan of disengagement from Gaza, I remember how some of the Palestinian leaders start running from one TV channel to another TV channel by saying, we are ready to rule the Gaza Strip. We are going to make from Gaza Singapore. I never been in Singapore, but I'm asking if Singapore has the same situation of Gaza. But we failed. We failed, no doubt about it. We failed. When I am talking to some yachts in Gaza Strip right now, they said, Basim, we missed the settlements. Because the settlements in Gaza used to be one of the main sources of income to the Palestinians. Now, over than a million, 850,000 people has nothing to do in Gaza. Has, has nowhere to move. Just last week, the Egyptian government decided to open the Rafah passage for two days only, Saturday and Sunday. Around 2,500 Palestinians succeed to cross out of the Gaza Strip to inside Egypt. A friend of mine, he is a very prominent journalist in the Gaza Strip, he posted, he posted a post on his uh, Facebook page by saying that the 2,000 Palestinians who get out of Gaza will never come back to Gaza. And I'm quite sure that these 2,500 will never come back to hell. Gaza is a hell right now. And I don't think that there, any normal person want to live under such kind of hell. How should one view the anti-Semitism broadcast by the PA? See, unfortunately, anti-Semitism is increasing right now around the world. I think looks like that the Europeans are the, the experts to spread out such kind of things. And probably this is one of the reasons that the Palestinian Authority right now is trying much more to obey the policies of the Europeans rather than any other policies around the world. And looks like that this is one of the reasons that Europe trying to push more and more via their own money to the Palestinian Authority that we need more and more escalations. We need more and more incitement towards the Israelis and towards the occupation. I think that that's exactly how Europe is trying to improve the anti-Semitism among the Palestinian Authority. 
you couldn't believe that we have one of the most horrible curriculums in our schools, which is supported by Europe and mainly by Belgium. And the Europeans don't want to look into the curriculum by saying that this is horrible, let us change it. They are not interesting. So Europe is like Europe. Somebody once told me that a Jewish guy from France came to, him came to his friend and he told him that I am very aware about the future of the Jews in France. Then the friend answered him that I am very aware. I am even more aware about the future of Europe in Europe. And I think that this is also giving us the clear impression what is Europe is planning right now towards the whole issue of the conflicts around the world, not only the Israeli-Palestinian one, but also the whole issue of terror, which is surrounding the Middle East. What are your thoughts on the Milbeck law firm withdrawing their gift to Harvard Law School after a Justice for Palestine event discussing freedom of speech? Yeah, I don't want really to interfere in such, you know, internal issues in Harvard. I'm, I have more, m much more bigger troubles here yeah, in my head than to start thinking about individuals, what they are doing in Harvard. <laughs> the official American position is to support a two-state solution. Is a two-state solution possible? Second question, should we try to change the U.S. policy? Who said that the U.S. is supporting the two-state solution? I didn't see any kind of support from the Americans, from the American administration. I didn't see, I didn't see, I didn't see that Mr. Obama really was very serious to solve the Israeli-Palestinian conflict. I think that Mr. Obama, when he was elected the first time, I went to Egypt and gave his famous speech at Al-Azhar University. I think that he put all of the world on the top of the tree. And he just left us there since then. I am not a person who believes on a third party's uh, solutions. I am a person who believes that the Israeli-Palestinian conflict should have to be solved only between two. One is the Israelis, the second is the Palestinians. And if we will be able tomorrow morning to kick out all of these, the so-called diplomats, from Israel and from the Palestinian Authority, probably that will give a huge chance for a future peace between the Palestinians and the Israelis. If the Palestinian Authority and Fatah want to return to power in Gaza, they must want Hamas to fail. But why do you say they want to destroy Gaza? They want to destroy Gaza to pave the way to go back. How the PA can go back to Gaza tomorrow morning? Can Abbas tomorrow morning go to visit Gaza? Of course he wants to destroy it. And then the Gazan people will say, oh my God, help, we need help. 
Then Abbas coming and saying, I am the one who is going to provide the help. Of course, this is exactly the way how I explain it, that as much pressure you will put on the Gaza Strip, that's probably will pave the way towards uh, the re-ruling re Gaza Strip. I didn't see that Abbas right now trying to invest in the reconstruction of the Gaza Strip. I didn't see that Abbas trying to provide any help in electricity issue, in the water issue. I didn't see that. And people are really so shocked in Gaza. Is Abbas really the president of the all Palestinian people or he is the president of the West Bank only? I think that the people so frustrated and that's exactly what the people are believes in that Abbas is a partner in the de destruction of the Gaza Strip. Absolutely. So what percentage of Palestinians would want to become Israeli citizens? And the second one is how would Palestinians feel about having cameras on the Temple Mount with yeah. an unedited real-time feed to the internet? Yeah. Okay, towards the cameras, I don't think that I'm, I'm, I'm the person here to give the kind of answer. This is something which is related to the security. And I think that the subject almost in a kind of discussion between the Israeli government and the Jordanian government towards those cameras. Now, towards Palestinians who want to be an Israeli citizenship, just a few months ago, there was a kind of a survey has been conducted on behalf of the Washington Institute. And that survey has been made by one of the prominent Palestinian research centers in Bethlehem. The survey has been conducted in a different 14 neighborhoods in East Jerusalem. And the question was, where you like to continue living, under the PA or under the Israelis? 53% of the Palestinians who participated in that survey prefer to continue living under the Israelis rather than under the Palestinian Authority. And I was just a month ago in Hebron. Some people came to me in Hebron and they asked me when Israel is going to annex Hebron to Jerusalem, to Israel. Imagine people asking when Israel is going to annex Hebron to Israel. People didn't ask me when the Palestinian state is going to be founded. So I can imagine how much Palestinians right now who probably will support the solution which we call it the one state solution. I think that the majority of the Palestinians in such kind of favor. So with most of the Sunni Arab, Arab world terrified by the common enemy with Iran, they they find Israel they find Israel less an enemy than an military ally. What effect will this have on the Palestinian community? Okay, it's it's a big Islamic war right now. I think that it is what uh, you can call it the third world war, the third, the Islamic third world war. You can call it because looks like that the real battle right now 
is between the Sunni and the Shia. And no doubt that the Sunni uh, uh, countries right now are very aware from what is going on. And it looks like that the real battle right now is taking place in Yemen between two big countries, Saudi Arabia as a Sunni and Iran as a Shia. No doubt that the Sunnis right now are a little bit scared from how Iran is going to deal with the whole of the world in the future, especially after the all of the doors of Iran has been opened towards the world. In my opinion, the Gulf right now, probably one of the major, uh, 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 the major uh, 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 track towards the whole Islamic battle right now. Israel, of course, is probably much more safer right now than Saudi Arabia or any other Arab country. And that's reminding me in a very nice joke when an Iraqi guy came to an ISIS soldier and he asked him, when you are going to attack Israel, then the ISIS soldier answer was, when the Jews will convert it to Islam. So you can be right now very, <laughs> very quiet, yeah, very quiet, because you are not on the top of the agenda of a such horrible Islamic war. I think that it is a war between Muslims and Muslims only. And unfortunately right now, on the way of this war, a lot of Christians almost lost their lives, especially what's going on in Iraq and in Syria. So I don't know exactly where this scale of terror is going to lead the world. I have no idea. So what, what is your opinion of Marwan Barghouti as a Palestinian leader? Are there any younger emerging Palestinian leaders? See, I'm a person who is supporting a young leadership. I want to see a young leadership. It's reminding me sometimes when I am coming to Palestinians and saying, listen, we have a prominent Fatah guy called Muhammad Dahlan, who is the real a, 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 a component to Abbas right now. Then people coming to me by saying, listen, but Muhammad Dahlan is also corrupt. I said, you are right. But if you will ask me, I prefer a young corrupt rather than old corrupt. <laughs> Everybody is corrupt. Everybody is corrupt. But still, I need somebody who has a young brain. Who has a young brain who can think who can lead, who can stand up, stand up early, who can make visits to his own people. But with such a leadership, which is the youngest of them, almost 75 years old.
the youngest of them, 75 years old. So sometimes I used to say that the first thing that the Palestinians should have to do is how to get rid from the generation of Abus, Abu Ammar, Abu Mazen, Abu Ali, Abu Lutov. Let us put an end for such horrible generation and to start working very deeply and very seriously and very hardly to create a new leadership. I think that the Palestinians are right now in a lack of a leadership. And that's probably will take the Palestinians to wait for the coming generation. Probably from the coming generation, a charismatic leader might be born and we will be able to solve the whole problems of his own people. Which solution do you think is preferable or possible? A, two states for two peoples, or one state for both peoples, Israelis and Palestinians? I think what we are seeing right now is a three-state solution for two people. Because Hamas is fighting for their own Islamic emirate in the Gaza Strip. Abbas is fighting for his own empire in the West Bank and the state of Israel. And looks like that everybody is so satisfied with his own. So right now, in my opinion, the solution is the three-state solution for two people. So when you say that most Palestinians would support a one-state solution, do you mean A, that they would support a Jewish state including Gaza and the West Bank, or B, a single non-national democratic state? I don't think that people really thinking about all of these identifications here. I think that people, when people said that we are supporting a one-state solution, means people want to guarantee their future. That's exactly the meaning what the people are trying to, 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 to achieve here, is how to be respected, how to find a job, how to secure the future of my children. I don't think that any Palestinian tried to go into details and to make his own identification which kind of one-state solution I am seeking. When I said that Palestinians probably prefer the one state, I, what I meant here, that people want to secure their future and their children's future rather than anything else. So were there any olive groves and farms cleared for the current settlements? Where what? Were there any olive groves and farms cleared for the current settlements? See, it's a, it's a big problem. It's a big problem. I, I, I don't know exactly how many, how many olive trees there was. I know that there are a lot of clashes from time, time, time to time, especially during the harvest of the olives. I know that the settlers, no doubt, that they burn a lot of olive trees, which is very sad, which is very sad to see a tree burned by a religious person, by the way. Sometimes I'm, I'm, asking, I'm asking myself, where is the religion? Where is the real religion? It's very sad to see. Friends, the land is belonging only to God. It's not belonging to any of us. 
and we are just guests on this land. One day we will leave and others will come. That's exactly what we should have to believe in.